real news. Happy New Year. It's 2020, January 1st, 2020, and it's on a hump day. It's on a Wednesday, and it starts in the middle of the week. It is going to be a great, a fabulous year, because it is a year of 2020 vision, and we can see. We can finally see, not for most of you, but the majority are starting to see. So today, we're going to talk about things that we have seen but haven't been able to really see. And I'm also going to tell you guys about my most interesting, interesting, interesting time. I'm going to take you back to 2002 to 2004. Um and each bout and each period is about six to seven months. I had uh, the opportunity to be assigned um, a contract, I guess you want to call that, uh, assignment, to work with a bank that has roots in Nazism linked to Putin that supposedly no longer exists. And you know, during that time, I met some really amazing people, um, really smart people. But the key word of today is an ancient Greek word uh, that it's actually from Greek mythology. And... See, this is a name that you don't hear a lot about. You don't know a lot about. And those of you that are, uh, I would say, interested in mythology may, may know this name. And this name is Cerberus. It's known as the Hounds of Hades, the Hounds of Hell. And their job was to make sure that the dead could not leave. So they were the bouncers, right? They were the ones that guarded the gates of the underworld so that people could not escape. They had three heads, right? Uh, the tail of a snake and tons of snakes just coming out from everywhere. Now, you would think, if there was a Cerberus in our world that seemed to be behind every single nefarious act, company, organization, or person, do you believe that they are guarding so that people cannot leave or escape. And escape meaning that they were responsible for making sure that the souls, according to mythology, stayed put and were owned by Hades. Even the ones they coaxed, even the ones they stole, because they were not allowed to go out and venture in the knowing. Mm. 
It's interesting. Because, see, this hellhound always seems to pop up throughout history, not just Greek mythology. We're talking poets, 17th, 7th century. We're talking many Roman mythology, of course, yeah. Egyptian history, Greek history, ancient and modern. And now, in this era, we actually have... A big, massive global organization called Cerberus. Gerberos. It's basically how it's pronounced. It's supposed to be a dog with heads and snakes coming out of it. It's supposed to be uh, also one of the tasks that were assigned to Hercules. And you're going to be like, stop one second. This death demon of the dark, according to mythology, what does it have to do with 2020 and what's going on? Well, think about it. The only way that you can defeat an enemy is to know thy enemy. I, so a good example is, um, I saw an article right after uh, the... The year changed in my time zone, and it was from Yahoo News uh, claiming that, oh, you know, the U.S. Embassy in Russia and people were spying. and, And I was just, this is such fake news. Because the truth is, is that President Trump's administration identified a Russian national that was hired by Fusion GPS that was working at the U.S. Embassy in Moscow. Now, that was discovered in 2017. But see, you don't just grab the person, the spy, or, you know, the person that you're like, boy, they have a lot of information. Boy, they're doing something. You don't just grab them, right? You watch them. Because what you need to do is figure out who's paying them, who they're working for, what their MO is, and how they access information, right? You need to know the methods. It's not about just unmasking someone and saying, you're the bad guy or you're the good guy. You're, you know, covert asset. You're this, you're that. No, it's about the methods. So in that in that sense, <laughs> the Trump administration actually um handed over this spy to uh, the Russian authorities and then fired the the U.S. ambassador to Russia, Teft, who, by the way, has two daughters so nicely positioned with uh, jobs within the U.S. government and his daughter at the State Department, who works with USAID, has an SES level, (laughs) she gets paid almost 90% more than everybody else, and she's SES, and she's not even that smart, but she's his daughter. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is, the enemy can be identified, it's the methods, and in 2020, the methods are going to be coming to surface, this is how you can see things. Now... I tell my children whenever they're studying history, in ancient times and even in modern times, most wars are started because of women. I know it sounds dumb, but we have, you know, Helen of Troy. How many wars have been started because of women, right? That's just like, whoa. 
But you have to remember that Hercules, who had the labor to get that hound and destroy the gatekeeper between allowing souls to go to the to God or the gods at that time, right, and not be trapped in hell, he had to do that with his goddess, Persephone. Hmm. Persephone, the daughter of Demeter. Pretty, pretty interesting. My mom's name's Demeter, too. So, um, ancient, uh, mythology, history, they seem to repeat the same monster, Cerberus, right? Gerberos, Cerberus. So, the hounds of Hades. So, how does this tie in? Well, what if I told you the largest companies that have their fingers in every pie, even space stuff, even government military contracts, even GSG, even I could keep going, is actually named Cerberus. Be like, stop. Yes. See, the one thing that will be the downfall of anyone is symbology. The symbols and the traditions that you adhere to because you are obliged to is the downfall that you will have when people can see. You know, my youngest is being homeschooled now and she was, uh, she was signing up for classes and she's like, well, we did some of this when I was attending school. And then we did some of this. And I was like, so take both history units. She's like, are you telling me that I'm going to do like American history of the 1800s and early 1900s together? And I said, yes. Because when you're studying the history of the 1900s, the early 1900s, it'll totally make sense based on the information you know from the 1800s. Because the past always proves the future. All you have to do is look in the past and you can see that it's, it's almost as if this, um, have you ever seen in movies where someone is like focusing in on something and through the crowd they could like map out a line to where they need to go and it's highlighted, right? Or in the video game when you zoom out and you put the map or like Google Maps where you're like, I'm here, I want to go there and then it highlights the route. Well, if you know history... That's exactly how you can see your present. You can see it mapped out. Every right, left turn, and hurdle passed. So much. And now you can see exactly where we are as people, where we are as individuals, where we are going to go. Yeah, not a lot of people can see. But that doesn't necessarily mean you can't, okay? It's all about thinking the impossible. Because, see, I, I, I remember from from very, very young age, I would always say, well, you know, I'm going to aim for that. Well, that's a pretty big goal. Yeah, that's okay. Because you always shoot for, you know, the other galaxy, right? You always shoot as far as you can. To at least get somewhere in the middle. Shoot for the sun, so maybe you'll get to where? The moon. And that is how we should approach everything. Uh, 
One thing I'd like to say is that we see that the first news of the year coming out from CNN are divisive and promoting more divisiveness and hatefulness. But one thing that we're seeing and what, what is uh, Chief Justice Roberts saying, we can't have any fake news, you know, we got to be careful of the fake news. What is he hiding? Mm -hmm. What doesn't he want us to know? He doesn't want us to know about the meeting in January. He doesn't want to know about this underlying government. Hmm? He doesn't want us to know those things. Remember, Supreme Court Chief Justice Roberts actually took part in that Ken Starr thing, right? Mm. They have thought of everything. The only thing they didn't think of is of you and me. We are the news now. We are the ones that drive the conversation. We say what's important, and we demand that people are held accountable. You know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, would you have ever thought that the Pope, who is supposedly the face of the Catholic Church, be one of the most disliked and actually faces of evil in the world? You'd be like, no way, you're nuts. When you see these videos of the Pope floating around, do you see how we are the news exposing the truth? Did you see how he hit the woman that wanted to hold his hand because she had glorified him, thinking that he is indeed the face of the Catholic Church, that he is indeed someone important? And from what you could hear, the lady came from a very far away place to do so. So think Who's the news now? You're the news now. Because we're in control. And the only way to break down Cerberus's gate, to take down the three-headed hound with the snakes, is by speaking and by calling people to the carpet to make sure that things are said the right way. And not only the right way, but that the right things are said. Uh, you know, many, many times I'll say, well, I talked about this. We should have talked about it. And I want to be clear. It's not because I'm like, oh, look at me. I know. No. It's if we talked about it at that time, we wouldn't be here right now. If we discussed this at that time, we wouldn't be here right now. That's the whole point. So for 2020, I would say, starting off the bat, I've just doused you with so much information. This is complete information overload. But it will make sense in due time with the time that we have, right? Because for some reason, whenever I'm on air with you, time seems to escape me. And that could be because time is an illusion. The perception that you have at the time, right, is your time. 
Okay? Time is all about perception. Time is all about where you are, how old you are, what knowledge you have, where you stand, how you see things. That is how time goes. That is how time, as we say, flies. When you are, uh, we notice that when we're doing a task that's repetitive and mundane, time seems to stand still because you are not enjoying it. Therefore, it is torture for you. And what do you think of torture? Eternal torture, you know, that I'll be like, you know, jabbed with like knives in my eyes for eternity, right? That's what eternal torture is. And when you're unhappy, things slow down. But when you're happy, things seem to go really quickly. When you're enjoying something, things seem to go really quickly. When you're engaged or interested in something, seem, everything seems to move quickly. <laughs> Symbology. And you know, Symbology and time are very important. Symbology is actually quite weird. Um, And it doesn't just work for the nefarious side of things. I think a lot of people are looking into, oh, this numerology, new age stuff. Stop. Language. Science. Even the Bible. Okay, Language in particular. Everything is based out of numbers. People that are good with numbers are good with languages. This is why a cryptographer is actually a mathematician first and then a linguist. Because everything is based on math. From the way an atom spins to the way it stands, every single thing has a basis in math. So for parents out there that have young children, I would tell you, just like I tell my kids, I don't care about, you know, reading, writing, and everything. You can find someone to write stuff for you. What you need to focus on is math and science. And if you had to pick between the two, I just care about math. Because if you can understand math, if your mind can do those gymnastics, and then you can master anything if you fancy it, right? I was always the kid that disliked every. To kill a mockingbird was like pulling my teeth. I, I remember those were the only classes that I took at a junior high level, and it drove me insane. While I was doing more advanced mathematics, I was sitting there, and it was it was as if someone was picking my nails off one by one because the mode of um, instruction was too slow. And the fact that I had to read a book was too slow. Even when I study or when I look at things, I don't even read. I speed read, which is great because I've trained myself to be able to read things quickly. But it's more like skimming, isn't it? You're not really reading, reading. Like, I could take a book that has 400 pages and go through it in a couple of hours, and I'll know exactly what happened, who died, who done it, but I won't know the simple details, like what color was Rosie's hair, <laughs> things like that, because that's, that's junk for the brain, as I call it. So the mode of instruction was slow. Why? Because I am more attuned to mathematics, and those are black and white, fast and hard. They're not slow. You don't you don't solve a math problem slowly because once you get into the gist of it, I'm pretty sure you've seen it in movies and those of you that have solved problems, you start it and you're like, you look at it and you're like, let's see, how am I going to tackle this? And then you're like, once you're on a roll, you're on a roll. And the only time you stop is when you get to the end and it's completely wrong. And then you start over again, right? Sometimes in the middle you see you're really wrong and you're like, wait a minute, I must have done the math wrong or, yep, wrong approach, right? Now, I say this, okay, because mathematics 
the foundation of life are ones and zeros. And computers think in ones and zeros. What does that tell you? Binary, that means black or white. That means positive and negative. That means there's no gray area. It's pretty simple. And that's a concept we need to understand. Because once we understand the simplicity of the way things are, even a book the way it's written, how math problems are solved, how people speak, the cadence, the frequencies, the the politics of it is all ones and zeros when it comes down to it. Because if you follow the past, just up to the present, you don't even need to look at the future, you will see that those were binary decisions, tons of ones and one and zero choices that bring you up here today. And what you see as well is that through those ones and zeros and those choices, the same names, the same people, the same things seem to occur over and over and over and over again. That's the key here. So when we realize this, we are truly able to see. If we realize that these things have only two options on how you can put it apart. Hmm. People are waking up. And people will now see Cerberus for what it is and what it is and how it is and how how it grows and how it controls. You know, two days ago, we were here on air talking about the bombings in Somalia, Oman, Yemen, and then, you know, Iraq. And you see, nobody spoke about these dead people in other nations where Al-Qaeda groups, right, had blown things up at all. And today, you know, everyone's parading around how, you know, Khamenei tweeted out, retweeted the president and said, that guy has tweeted that we see, that guy means President Trump, has tweeted that we see Iran is responsible, right, for the events in Baghdad. He tweeted that. And we will respond to Iran. First, you can't do anything. Second, if you were logical... Which you're not. Now, keep in mind, one thing that I've told you is I speak with a lot of people in many groups, but we don't know who we are. But sometimes we have speech identifiers so that we can recognize, right, who it is. Now, if you look at the tweet, you will see the dashes and the periods. Hmm. That is a speech identifier. And it's incredible. And it's, so listen to it. If you were logical, dash, 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 which you're not, dash, 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 you'd see that your crimes in Iraq, Afghanistan, dot, 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 have made nations hate you. This tweet, first, is not a threat and more so a taunt by those that did. So I responded first, 
We aren't the previous administration, so we can't be fully credited with their atrocities. Second, we won't harm innocent people, and we know funding this you can't afford. Has Al-Qaeda hacked your Twitter? Al-Shabaab said the same. Usama, is that you? Now, the reason I tweeted that out is for people to be like, you know, Tori, what do you think? You're like, no, this was for you guys and whoever follows me on Twitter. This is the excuse where they're throwing it out and trying to build a base with radical Islamic terrorists. That we are to blame, that we have done this, but remember... We funded them. We created them. So why are they attacking us? Because they're no longer getting funding, so they need to take us out, so that way they can resume the funding. Remember? I mean, who paid for ISIS? Who weaponized? Who who armed ISIS? Who fed them? Who clothed them? Who placed them? Yeah, it was us. (laughs) Unbeknownst to us, it was us. Actually, he told us. Because, again, they can't really lie to you. And they will use symbolism and arrogance to show you what they do. So uh, for the next hour and a half, we're going to parse through some big names, some names you may not have heard. And then I want to talk a little bit about Feinstein because it was interesting that yesterday, um, you know, someone for the new year just asked me a question. So I think maybe I should address it. I'll see you all in just a bit. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. Now, let's hit the ground running first. Now, yesterday, I tweeted out to you guys to say that what I heard was happening in Iraq was actually something funded by the changemakers, right? And the changemakers is some uh, new um, initiative that Barack Hussein Obama has. And so these changemakers were the ones providing the porta potties, the water bottles, the flags, the signs, the Molotov, everything, right? And so here's the thing you have to think. How is the how are these change makers and what we're talking about today linked to Epstein? And you're gonna be like, What? Wait, stop, you can't give me that much, Tori, because now you've got me thinking Cerberus that owns so many big companies that has his fingers everywhere. Same names rotating. I'm going to give you two addresses for those of you that like to dig in New York. And all you need to do is go to Corporation Wiki and take a look at what companies are housed there and how you're going to see inactive and active businesses. And they kind of like over, you know, 20 pages, because there's like over 100 businesses at one of them. You're going to see the same names rotate. You're going to be like, stop. How many times do you have to see a coincidence? How many times does something have to be to be a coincidence or not a coincidence? And it's like simply there. Because you have to think, how are these change makers? How are the initiatives of such linked to Epstein? And then you'll think, oh, Epstein's connected to the Clintons. Okay, okay, keep going. What else? Well, how are the Clintons connected to the Obama change makers? Remember, same law firm represented the Clintons, 
the DNC, and Obama for America, and the changemakers, and, 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 we could go to this infrastructure that uh, the Bushes, the, 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 the original U.S. Nazis, funded, okay? You have to understand that women, okay, who was the most uh, you know, incredible spy in history that we all know off the top of our head. Was it a male or a female? It was a female, and it was Matahari. Because the one thing, no matter what, you know, people want to say, right, is that women have the advantage. Have the advantage to multitask physiologically by by God's grace because they have to bear childbirth. And they have to be able to have certain attributes that the male doesn't. Remember, the pain the woman feels is the pain of that soul being grounded to this planet. That's what I like to say. This is why women hurt. This is why the hurt of giving birth can't even be explained. But the truth is, is that women can overpower men very easily. And they can do a lot more than a man can, not, you know, physically, but mentally. And that's because they carry the pain of that sin, of that soul falling to, falling to earth. Now, I know a lot of people are going to be like, well, that's way out there. Well, think about it. But a man may be great at doing a lot of work, and many men can actually multitask. None of them are dumb. They're very intelligent. But women have other advantages that are unseen. And this is why Hillary Clinton was like, I would say she's like a info mule, right? Wait, ah, the new term. Gosh, I almost forgot. So for my MBA that I haven't finished yet, right, I, I, I have made it a goal to figure out a way to pay for my last three classes and just finish it. Um, it's actually four. It's like one like paper and then three classes. So I remember that I was assigned uh, to do an internship with a tech company, and I was called the director of knowledge, so shadowing director of knowledge. They actually have that. So if you were to think of the global cabal, that's who Hillary Clinton would be, the key holder for knowledge. So the director of knowledge, they have such positions in tech companies, um, in PR companies, and it's all about intel, like how to manage information that you have on competitors, on your company, on their board members, and how to mitigate. So you're the knowledge keeper. So you're the director of knowledge. Uh, I mean, you guys can Google it and say, like, director of knowledge jobs, and you'll be like, whoa, that actually exists? Yes, it does. So that's exactly who she is. Okay, so I want you to keep that in mind as you understand that the uh, Hadi al-Amiri that was orchestrating and funding and putting this together was actually a guest at the White House. You'd be like, stop, yes, change makers, change makers, said it, change makers. This is why in 2020 impeachment of Barack Hussein Obama will be initiated but not completed. We will be having a great party in 2021 for the, you know, re-up of President Trump. And then we will have impeachment hearings for Obama. And that is where everything's going to come out on paper. Because now we will see, we will discuss, and we will know. But we will not have it on paper yet in 2020.
So you have to think that the U.S. airstrikes for this Shiite militia uh, of Hezbollah, right, and it's the Kataib Hezbollah, um, that killed an American contractor, uh, was actually funded and put forward by this former guest of Barack Hussein Obama's. It's pretty interesting that uh, Hadi al-Amiri um, is the head of Bards Corp and um, a militia that they have. And he was... Um, he was like I, I want to say he was a former transportation minister in Iran, right? And um, he was at the White House. But I'm going to tell you this: from what I am seeing, and I haven't parsed it through yet, he has very strong links with Valerie Jarrett, Barack Hussein Obama's handler. We all know she's from Iran. So's Lisa Page. You know, Peter Strzok was raised there. Like, you know, and when they interview Peter Strzok, like, they so totally dropped the ball. Hey, yo, were you raised in Iran? Because I broke that story. Not, and I broke it at the right time, and it was a good thing that it got traction because he got fired a couple weeks later. Because the one thing you don't want is light to be shown because the minute you flip that switch, cockroaches run, right? So we have to understand that, um, Al-Amiri was like strongly tied to who, who the central, I want to say clown intelligence agency had installed as the IRGC. I said this before that Iran is split in two. The controlled and non-controlled. And so the controlled portion is the one that gives birth to these leaders and um, would not move forward on that. Let's just put it that way. The controlled portion gives birth to these leaders and to, I'm not going to delve too much into that right now because it's not important. What's important is for you to understand that now that you look into the past and you see that these people have been in the White House, how does it make sense for the future with what you know? Like the future meaning now. It makes a lot of sense, right? So that's important for people to um, understand that as long as we look back in history, we will find clues as to what is happening now. We will understand what is happening now. So on that note, here's where we're going to listen to the Defense Department budget discussions in 2006 with Rumsfeld and discussions about Dine Corp. Remember, we talked about this about, mm, I want to say, a month or two ago. Take a listen. Right, let's get this going. Yeah, gentlemen, the uh, gentlelady from uh, Georgia, Ms. McKinney. Oh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Secretary, I watched President Bush deliver a moving speech at the United Nations in September 2003 in which he, he mentioned the crisis of the sex trade. The president called for the punishment of those involved in this horrible business. But at the very moment of that speech, DynCor was exposed for having been involved in the buying and selling of young women and children. 
While all of this was going on, DynCorp kept the Pentagon contract to administer the smallpox and anthrax vaccines and is now working on a plague vaccine through the Joint Vaccine Acquisition Program. Mr. Secretary, is it policy of the U.S. government to reward companies that traffic in women and little girls? That's my first question. My second question, Correct. Mr. Secretary, according to the Comptroller General of the United States, there are serious financial pro management problems at the Pentagon, to which Mr. Cooper alluded. Fiscal year 1999, 2.3 trillion missing. Fiscal year 2000, 1.1 trillion missing. And DOD is the number one reason why the government can't balance its checkbook. The Pentagon has claimed year after year that the reason it can't account for the money is because its computers don't communicate with each other. My second question, Mr. Secretary, is who has the contracts today to make those systems communicate with each other? How long have they had those contracts? And how much have the taxpayers paid for them? Finally, Mr. Secretary, after the last hearing, I thought that my office was promised a written response to my question regarding the four war games on September 11th. I have not yet received that re response, but would like for you to respond to the questions that I've put to you today, and then I do expect the written response to my previous question, hopefully by the end of the week. Um, uh, thank you, uh, Representative. First, the answer to your first question is, is no, absolutely not. The policy of the United States government is uh, clear, unambiguous, and opposed to, uh, to the activities that you described. The um, second question. Well, how do you explain the fact that um, DynCorp and its successor uh, companies have received and continue to receive government contracts? I would have to go and, and find the facts, but there are laws and rules and regulations with respect to government contracts, and there are times that corporations do things they should not do, in which case they tend to be suspended for some period. There are times then that, that the, under the laws and the rules and regulations for the, that uh, passed by the Congress and implemented by the executive branch, that corporations can get off of the pen, out of the penalty box, if you will, and, and be permitted to engage in contracts with the government. They're, they're not generally not barred in perpetuity. This contract, this company um, was never in the penalty box. If you could proceed to my second question, please. The, um, the second question, uh, I've forgotten what the second question was. I think Ms. Jonas knows it. Okay. Uh, thank you, uh, Ms. McKinney. I appreciate the question. I appreciate your interest in uh, our department's financial uh, condition. And uh, we are working very hard on that program. I've just come back uh, recently. This I understand that you're working hard on it, but my question was, who has the contract? How long has that, have they had that contract? And how much money have we spent on it? In general, we spend about $20 billion in the Department on Information Technology Systems. Uh, the, uh, the accounting uh, systems are part of that. I can get you the exact number for the record of what we spend on our current, what we call legacy systems, uh, and those that we're moving toward. And who has the contracts? Uh, that, that would be a multitude of uh, individuals. Could you name some, please? Uh, well, I think off the top of the, uh, my head, well, I would rather not. I'd rather provide well, that for the record. That's not... 
privileged information, is it? I'm sure it's not. Well, please. Yeah. And I, we still have time, so please. I would be glad to provide for the record. I don't want to talk from the top of my head and be incorrect. The, um, on your first question, I'm advised by Dr. Chu that it was not the corporation that was engaged in the activities you characterized, but I'm told it was an employee of the corporation, and uh, it was some years ago in the Balkans that that took place. It's my understanding that that continues to take place. And Is that, that right? Yes. Well, if you can I'm, give me information to I'm that effect. I'm sure you we are will. interested in all of the information that I have, and I'll be more than happy to provide it to Good. you. Good. Thank you. But I would also like to get information from you. Okay. For example, the information We're, that I just requested about who has those contracts. Let me uh, assure the gentle lady that uh, we'll make sure that this uh, in exchange of information takes place. And, uh uh, Mr. Secretary, if you can get back with us on the Dying Corps uh, we, we uh, will. story, uh, we'll uh, get that to the gentlelady. And that's how you shut it down. Hmm. Let's talk Global Strategies Group, Global Security Group. Let's circle back because this is 2006 and all this stuff transpired at the time that I tell you from my knowledge that occurred. So think DynCore subcontracts, and DynCore does this. Now, after this debacle and people asking questions until they got rid of them, DynCore was pretty much sort of, kind of, not really independent. Mm. And then what happens is a company comes in, a big pit bull. A company comes in that used to, okay, used to uh, be at uh, one address and then changed to another address. So their first address was at 299 Park Avenue. And, you know, in there we have Sinclair Television, we have uh, United Bank of Switzerland, we have... Um, we have a lot of <laughs> we have a lot of other companies and that's where Cerberus used to hang out. And I urge you again to simply go and watch over a hundred records. There's seven hundred and twenty nine companies that have gone in and come back. And you know, this the, the weird thing is is that the same names come up in that area. And it's so bizarre. Very bizarre. You're like, no, yes. You can see it yourself. We've got G Capital, oh, which, by the way, Cerber is then acquired. We've got, you know, Chrysler. We have um, uh, UBS, uh, no, DW Securities. We have, remember how I told you about Dragon Securities, Dragon Investment, Dragon Capital. This is all going to make sense to you. Uh, you think Russia is some nefarious, uh, you know, uh, country that they don't do business with? Well, you got to think again. Their next address is 875 3rd Avenue. This is where they reside now. And you know what's funny? Guess who also is there? Deutsche Bank. Guess who also is there? IAP. Guess who also is there? Well, Via. Guess who also is there? All you have to do is look and see what companies are housed at the same place. And it'll blow your mind. They're doing it right under our noses. And that's what's more infuriating. That they do it and they laugh at us. They do it and they think these people are so dumb. No, we're not dumb. No one is dumb. 
What we have is an orchestrated effort to keep us in a box with limited knowledge. And even though the Internet was created so they can enslave us faster, they can enslave us in an instant, making everything about socialism and then turning it into communism almost organic. First they started with the social securities. Then they started with the, you know, health care for the elderly. Then they started with this. Then they started with that. Then they migrated electronic this, electronic that. And suddenly, it's almost instantly that they can, with a stroke of a key, they can pull you up and destroy you. Delete, slide in info, remove info, add info, create connections, throw you in jail, do whatever they want. They can manipulate everything with the stroke of a key. And how are you going to say it's wrong? Let's pretend, you know... You're a young journalist, and you're doing all these uh, great stories. You're breaking them all out. And then at the age of, like, 45, 50, you're like, you know what? I'm going to run. So you run, right, 25 years from now, right? You run, and suddenly you see, you see your background from some media company come out, and they're like, well, when you were 23, you were thrown in jail for drugs. When you were 21, you were uh, married to this person who ended up being this person. When you were 26, you you handed over a baby and you're just like, okay, uh, I didn't do any of that. Well, your record here says it does. Well, you, I don't know what your record's saying, but never had any babies, never married, never did drugs. Or maybe I did, but I never got arrested for it. And how do you prove that? When everything is electronic and is considered true, how do you fix it? Mm. Interesting, right? That's food for thought. You can't even trust what you should have faith in because you cannot trust the government. So how do we reinstate that trust? By having a few people take the fall? That's the thing. Think about it. How do we build this trust? I mean, three over 300,000 emails were found by NYPD between Hillary and Huma. Over 300,000. Our general has been put in a box, not because of who he is, but about the list of names and the insurance he has to ensure that he uses it correctly. After they were subpoenaed for information, hammers down, bleach bit down, right? Isn't that illegal? Totally is. So you have to think what's being covered up, and I already told you. What's being covered up in those emails are memorandums of understanding, memorandums of corporation, cooperation, and um, discussions they have with foreign leaders. You know, Hillary actually rigged her own election esoterically for the DNC, right, so that she can win. And then the world, the global assets were initiated to rig ours on a federal level. So she wanted 
to run against President Trump, didn't she? Remember how she was like, yeah, I want to run with him. That was their mistake. See, she wanted to prop him up to make him look like a joker. And in the end, her pants were pulled so far down, she was tripping over her own words. She thought that they are very powerful because they had the media, the global media, not just like CNN and those, you know, uh, you know, roly poly people like Brian Statler or, you know, you know, S&M Anderson Cooper or Jake Tapper. I don't even want to get to that one. It wasn't just them. They had everybody. They had nations backing them. They had global leaders backing them. But they did not expect that the people, the free people of America would overpower them. They did not expect it. And so this is what happened. What they handed over in their emails, they thought was incriminating enough to give a, give the dog the bone when they leaked the emails because what was on the DNC server and other emails was something they could not laugh off and say, oh, you know, whatever, you know, because they had the media not cover it, not talk about it, not do anything. Instead, the media attacked you and I for talking about it, not the content. You know, heaven forbid they say, hey, they said that they will have these children in a heated pool for your entertainment after dinner. No big deal. They're going to be slaughtering chickens to Moloch. No big deal. And chicken, yeah, not cluck cluck. So who was behind all this? Obama was behind everything. He ensured that FISA happened. He told in public to Hillary Clinton to use her private server. He is the one that sat down with Chief Justice Roberts, who suddenly now is like, oh, we have to be careful of fake news. And he says that to people like CNN, who are the epitome of fake news. Okay? He is the one who is ultimately guilty as the ringleader for this thing because she is the director of knowledge he was the puppet that was created in the form they wanted to put him up there remember designer children remember the children that i told you about the kid that got the 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 physics degree at 17 you have to remember these things because these are important things and again they rely on your inability to retain information Will we indeed go to war with Iran? No, we are not. No matter what kind of tweets they send, our buttons will always be bigger than theirs. And we will always be uh, uh, triumphing only because we have good on our side. So think. WikiLeaks, DNC emails or Hillary emails, that's nothing. Seth Rich is the key, and this is why he's coming back up. This is why he came back in 2019, and that is going to dominate 2020 with these nefarious agreements, and these companies are coming to surface. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. This is the second hour of our New Year's, which we will be discussing the Hellhounds, Cerberus. And to do this, you know, I, I, you know, there's a lot of people that like or don't like um, 
George Webb, but I'm going to play the beginning of a stream that he did on the 27th of July. I actually like a lot of the things he says. Listen, he is very knowledgeable on many things, but uh, he is also one of those outsiders. You know, it's those outsiders that make a difference. It's those outsiders that probe, and this is why people that have a common goal... Because the prize, in the end, the prize is only one. And that prize is what? Peace. Peace is the prize. Okay? And that is what we need to have. Okay? Peace is what we are striving for. Peace. And you're going to say, well, what is peace? It's relative to what you think it means to have peace. And I won't have any commercials during this. So let me make sure that they're gone. So we have our full 55 minutes together. So in this video, he talks about uh, Biden's um, DIA BlackBerry, which is the key to Trump's impeachment defense. Hunter Biden, Devin Archer, Billy Bulger, Paul Pelosi, all had DIA Blackberries that guess who coded for them? Not the CEO you heard me air yesterday of CrowdStrike, but the Ukrainian one. So take a listen. 2019, George Webb reporting from Southern Maryland. Uh, in the last moments of these last places where Bill Colby, William Colby, the CIA director William Colby, was found dead uh, 10 days after he took a canoe ride around the around the point here uh, from his he fixes himself uh, dinner uh, at sort of sun, sunset time frame. He talks to his wife, who's with the State Department in Dallas, Texas. He waters a tree, and then he fixes a McDuff, a film from that side. It's about, uh, I, I kayaked it uh, just now uh, over here. Uh, the canoe is found right in this area called Rock Point, right here. You can see it's, uh, it's shallow, but then it goes rapidly deeper as you go out to the Wacomico River. Comico River is about two miles out that way. So they find the canoe pretty much the same day. Uh, and these watermen out here that work uh, these uh, skiffs and so forth uh, find his canoe uh, pretty much the same or the next day, but it, it, his body washes up eight days later. There's a little church right around the corner here. A lot of people speculate maybe he, you know, the whole guilt. He was a very devout Catholic. Maybe the guilt of the whole Phoenix program from Vietnam had gotten to him. If you remember Chip Tatum from our story, the person who's taking Bill Barr down to Tegucigalpa to find the missing $100 million uh, for that whole Mena Airport thing in the Arkansas uh, missing $100 million. That same Chip Tatum is briefed by Bill Colby when he's in Vietnam in the Phoenix program. Uh, and they called him Mr. Peepers because he had those Coke bottle glasses. So uh, the conversation that I remember and the reason I even found out about this was I was, uh, Paul Rodriguez was a reporter, uh, very bad connection, sorry. So we got a bad connection, sorry about that. Uh, Paul Rodriguez uh, was a reporter uh, that I had tried to contact, who knows if I talked to the real Rodriguez, Paul Rodriguez or not, about the Jeffrey Epstein situation uh, up in New York. People have probably heard me talk about my roommate working for Jeff Epstein, working as a server at Jeff Epstein's different parties and so forth. Uh, and Paul Rodriguez had reported on this story, uh, which was called the Boys Town story, or it was also called um, the uh, Franklin scandal. 
And uh, same reporter, Washington Times, you can check it. Uh, and the senator who broke the story, the senator, state senator from Omaha, Nebraska, where Boys Town is, uh, basically was saying, hey, they're taking kids from the, the Catholic priests, they're taking kids from the Boys Town, and they're using them for compromise at Offutt Air Force Base. Offutt Air Force Base, is, at that time, was the largest CIA base uh, in the country. Uh, and there obviously was potential connection. We don't know for sure. But it seemed like the, uh, uh, it seemed connected to potentially the CIA's partnership at that time with Mossad and some dark elements within Mossad to get the bomb to Israel. Okay, I'm going to play a part. As a server right at here. Jeff Epstein's different Just parties. take a listen so to this again. Uh, and Paul Rodriguez had reported on this story, uh, which was called the Boys Town story, or it was also called um, the uh, Franklin scandal. And uh, same reporter, Washington Times, you can check it. Uh, and the senator who broke the story, the senator, state senator from Omaha, Nebraska, where Boys Town is, uh, basically was saying, hey, they're taking kids from the, the Catholic priests, are taking kids from the Boys Town, and they're using them for compromise at Offutt Air Force Base. Offutt Air Force Base, is, at that time, was the largest CIA base uh, in the country. Uh, and there obviously was potential connection. We don't know for sure. but it Okay, so I'm going to stop it there. Boys Town, Omaha, Nebraska. Gosh darn it, that state is coming up lately. But you know uh, in Boys Town who the local dentist was? Yeah, a dentist, you guys. Dentist. You know, it's, what's up with the CIA and teeth? and dentists, and specifically kids' dentists, and just dentists. Yep. It was the uncle. Well, his name was Dr. Podesta. (laughs) You know? Yeah, he was the local dentist there. (laughs) That's what's incredible. He was the local dentist there. And, you know, that is pretty incredible, isn't it? This is the future. You know, there was a a show, and I talked about this in 2018, which I haven't seen come back, which was Crowdsource the Truth. I talked about it in 2018. I love that show. It was on TV because it showed a guy who was from Silicon Valley, who his daughter was murdered, so he decided to create this program where everybody and their mother would get on and give him clues, pictures. He would scan the Internet, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the whole nine yards, so that he can pinpoint and figure out who murdered his daughter. And he crowdsourced the truth. Mm, what is that? That is a new... No wonder they canned the show. No wonder they terminated it. Because that is exactly what we are doing. See, even though they control all means of media, at some point, uh, some of this does weed out into the public sphere. Some of it comes out to tell us what we should fear. Right? It does. And this was one of those. Crowdsource truth, crowdsourcing the truth, uh, you know, that show was incredible because it showed the power of the people. It showed that as 
people as working as one that we are many and they are few answers will come and this guy he was frustrated the local California police didn't care you know they were like well you know it's dead lead and it's like nope we're going to find it and he used artificial intelligence to parse through all the tips that would then say well this one looks a bit different we've got like so many of this so many of that this is an oddball let's investigate or this one looks like a lot of people are saying the same thing let's investigate it's exactly what we've been doing for the past three years as we the people the we the people they didn't bank on the fact that they believe that that we were so mesmerized that we were done and it all leads back to the hellhounds but you know he said something like arcanicide the murders that happened i want to tell you that the majority of these people that have risen up in ranks from justices to senate all have had pretty much similar things happen so I'm going to take you back in time because I've told you that Diane Feinstein was responsible she was responsible okay for initiating the conversations and working through and parsing through how to manipulate the NSA data, how they can pin it on other people, how they will make the FBI take the fall for what the intelligence community, the one that we're supposed to be trusting, the one that has zero transparency, hmm, can work around. And you're going to say, well, Feinstein's dumb, actually. She has a very nefarious background. And, remember, she has been on the Senate Intelligence Committee for forever. Remember, she spearheaded the CIA's, you know, oh, my gosh, they're, like, torturing people, blah, 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 right? Mm. So I want to tell you, Diane Feinstein, in 1969, um, in San Francisco, had become, uh, she was, like, the... San Fran, like, board supervisor. She had tried to run for mayor uh, in San Francisco twice and lost. Now, even though she lost, uh, she was, you know, um, supposedly a capitalist. Getting this? And um, she was actually being targeted by people that were socialists, like, crazy liberals kind of like the crazy liberals that chief justice supreme court uh chief justice of the supreme court john roberts wrote about in his thesis you should read that so um she was the president of the board of supervisors in san fran um in the late 70s and she won that she was elected and so um she took that spot and sat in that spot because um, there was a guy, I'm trying to, it's Quentin, um, that she ran against. Anyway, um, a political assassination happened. A guy named Dan White, who had resigned from the Board of Supervisors, actually assassinated uh, Moscone and Harvey Milk. 
Now, Feinstein was actually in the building when these shootings happened. Kind of sounds like, you know, Morning Joe's story in a way. Not really, but just sounds like most of these are canicides. So she was in the building when these people were shot. And she actually found Harvey Milk's body after hearing the shots. And she was the one that announced that the assassinations have happened. Now, because Moscone, you know, was dead and she was the president of, you know, the supervisors of San Francisco, she became mayor just a couple days. Five, their bodies were still hot and she became the mayor of San Francisco because both of these dudes died. The mayor died and, you know, um, Harvey Milk was also killed by someone who used to be on the board of supervisors resigned and then like a couple weeks later right around thanksgiving decided to take out the mayor and you know take out them you know both muscone and milk and suddenly she became mayor of san francisco mayor okay so she um had uh taken that on she was she also helped um i would say usher the democratic ideology in her state and so what's incredible is is that um you know she wasn't all about um she was about gay rights but she didn't want to you know line up with them and they were upset we're talking 80s time you guys and so she was the one that was like, uh, you know, all for Jimmy Carter. She was the one that was telling people we need to get rid of Ted Kennedy. We need to do this, blah, blah, blah. Right. She was that person. And um, she uh, actually thought she actually thought that um, that Mondale, when running, was going to pick her to be her partner back in 84. But Geraldine Ferraro was actually picked instead. Um, and this is the mother of all weapons bans. She had started that stuff in the 80s. She was actually successful at some point where we actually did have an assaults weapon ban, just so you guys know, up until I think 2004, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, she, she held that on there. This is, this is who she is. Now, she's also the woman that backed the NSA, listen to this, to go behind um, FISA. So that you don't need a FISA, but there's a back door so that you can spy on people. Are you listening to this? She knows about that back door. She supported that bill and pushed it forward. Uh, this is a very important thing to remember about her. That that she's been in the intelligence, um, I would say, area and judiciary for a very, very long time. This woman is scary. She took her leg up with murder, okay, uh, that this guy just suddenly decided that he's going to go. Uh, she is not someone you want to cross. Uh, she had, she was the one that sponsored um, the whole, you know, uh, PIPA legislation. Um, uh, and she was the one that uh, worked with Google and Facebook 
to make sure that, you know, there's intellectual property, but it's not burdening all these, you know, tech companies of sharing. Because, look, guys, bottom line is these tech companies are all one and the same. There's one hellhound. And the only way that they can imprison you is by holding you here to their reality and their standards. They do not want you to escape that. Now, she had requested in 2012 that the Patriot Act be, you know, extended. She had put in, um, you know, a lot of things about the NSA. Like, she criticized them for wiretapping foreign leaders that were friendly to the U.S. Because why is the NSA tapping, wiretapping the United Kingdom or Australia? So she was very, you know, upset about that. But, you know, at the same time, she also was all for warrantless searches, right, to have a backdoor search provision as long as all those searches that you do are available for all agencies to see. And this is like 2013. She's the one that, you know, Snowden's a traitor. Well, Snowden's coming home and he's going to be talking a lot about you, Feinstein. So she had also, um, she was the one that actually scolded the CIA for um, searching and investigating their computers in Congress and the Senate. She said that, you know, the CIA cannot spy on members of Congress and the Senate. And she and and herself, I just want to say, she tried to make that, you know, um, technology companies have to design encryption so that they can give law enforcement user data instantly. That their strong encryption is criminalized. She backed that with Richard Burt. I kid you not. She did. Burn her, push that forward to say, if you've got great encryption, that's a crime. The we- the weapons assault ban um, that she that she helped facilitate and put in place was in place for ten years. It expired in two thousand four, and after the Sandy Hook blah blah blah, they wanted to kind of revamp it. This woman is one of the scariest witches out there. The scariest. She does not like. She did not like the fact that Jerusalem is now considered the capital. She does not like the fact that we're talking with North Korea. She is, you know, all about, you know, China and Taiwan and we need to make them work together. And she's, she, dude, she had a Chinese spy working for her. She needs to stop. Okay. But this woman knows the NSA and the CIA inside out. Here's another thing. Feinstein's family. Hmm. Her investments and things that she's done, all linked back to Cerberus Capital Management. You know, the three-headed hellhound. Mm. And here's the thing. What does Cerberus do? Do you, do you know, Cerberus is a massive company. What do they do? Okay. They were founded and they were created and, uh, you know, the first thing they got was satellite imagery company. Um, that's what they bought. Then uh, they took to taking uh, restructuring uh, different companies. Then they got um, healthcare companies, right? Uh, that's basically what they did. They just started getting hospitals and everything. 
in 2010, four years after DynCorp was put up against their wall, they actually, listen, acquired DynCorp. In 2010, they acquired DynCorp. Then they went forward. We're talking billions and billions of dollars, you guys. Drago Capital. Hmm. That has 97 bank branches in Spain under their group. Drago Capital. Drago. Draco. Dragon Capital. Both of Cerberus and Drago Capital purchased Caja Madrid. They bought them. This is all they did then. Then they went on to buy more debt from banks. We're talking England. The crown. It, it, it's pretty incredible. And all they've been doing is buying real estate. Okay, again, Cerberus, which is DynCorp, because DynCorp is Cerberus. They own them. They also, here's the kicker, Garantee Securities. They went together with Garantee Securities to get full investments in Turkey. J.P. Morgan they run their money. I'm going to just go through this. They bought pharmaceutical companies. Let's keep going. Steel. You know how they made really bad planes. Steel. AT&T Advertising. AT&T Interactive. Wait a minute. AT&T is DirecTV, is HBO, is CNN. Okay. They then went on to buy even more companies. Remington, we're talking missile defense, we're talking crazy. Then they went into supermarkets and foods. Wait, gets better. Then they went into cars, lots of cars, 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 cars. Cars that they mold, cars that they create, Chrysler, right? Mm. Then they keep going. Avon, makeup. And, hmm, wells, uh, what is it, drilling, oil wells. Oh, you mean commodities. Then they buy GE Bank. And then ABC Group, which is a Canadian group, obviously, that makes, like, things of cars. Then they buy Nordbank. Then they buy even more banks. And just now, just now, in 2019... They bought Strato Lunch. Do you know what Strato Lunch is? It is the one that created that the biggest wingspan plane, aerospace. So this is, they've got pharmaceuticals, aviation, government contracts, retail, automotive, food, drugs, financial. They've got firearms. They've got weapons and entertainment. Four Points Media Group, CBS Corporation in 2000, you know, that, (laughs) I mean, CBS and Sinclair Broadcast Group and AT&T Advertise. Do you see the monopoly? Oh, and here's the kicker. Remember when we talked about this company called uh, Damazine, you know, the company that runs with Global Strategies Group, the one that we give billions, if not trillions of dollars in U.S. federal taxpayer dollars to, the one that was set in Luxembourg that, you know, John Brennan, John Owen Brennan set up, 
right? The one where me and him, that was the first time we squared toe-to-toe together and had a conversation. That group is actually on top of this hellhound, Damazine. And then you think, are you kidding? Yes, it's right there. They're doing that under our nose because they assume we're stupid. And it's not that we're stupid. It's that they have mesmerized us because they control everything. Look, they control your food. They control your pharmaceuticals, your cars, your bottle companies. They just bought a bottle company just now in December. And you have to think, uh, wait a minute, why are they buying a bottle company? Like they just bought it. So think, what are they doing? Look at where the money is. Remember how I said, follow the money. You'll always find everything. This is the money. CSI was the largest uh, group in North America and and Japan, like everywhere except the Middle East and um, uh, um, Europe um, and Egypt. Look, Reynolds Group um, was a big company. Their job was to make sure that beverages and caps and stuff, like they closed things, right? They invented like the, um, you know, the little, on the cans, you know, the ring openers, um, the bottles that, you know, now Budweiser has tin bottles, right, for your beer. Uh, It's called um, Closure Systems International. Well, Cerberus just bought a big portion of that. So then you have to think, they just bought it on the 20th of December. A company that's been around for such a long time, they're just acquiring. And you know how they poise themselves? As a global leader in alternative investing. Ha, what if I told you in 1992, think, who else just came out of nowhere? Where did these out-of-nowhere companies, these alternative investing groups, how George Soros in 1992 just collapsed the U.K. market, how these delays happen in the markets, how they're buying everything, and it all comes down under one umbrella, one umbrella, and it just happens to be named Hellhound. And they pick things up, you know, uh, this is, oh, wait. I wanted to tell you. So this Hellhound company, guess what, is the boss of the Soros company. Huh? What? Yes, it is. And that is how they work. And this is how they operate. And these are the people. And guess who's a chairman on Cerberus Global Investments? Yeah. Huh. Vice President Quayle. Vice President Quayle. Dan Quayle. 44th Vice President of the United States of America to President George H.W. Bush. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? But, 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 Republic, but, 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 <laughs> there's no such. Dan Quayle, he's a chairman. When are we going to start looking into that? When are we going to start holding these accountable? How are we, what is the foundation of a good socialist nation? How does socialism exist? Do you know how it exists? By creating monopolies. But, Tori, Google is separate from Facebook. Google is separate from Twitter. No, they're not. They're all one and the same. And the software used across the planet to rig elections, one. The software securities companies, one. 
and this global underlying shadow government that's global is one. It seems like we have the President of the United States of America, President Trump, but in the shadows, it's still really President Barack Hussein Obama. Because he's the one that got his buddy to start up all this stuff. You know, people are like, oh, Benghazi, that's a great way to put it. Not the same, though. Because this was a global effort. It wasn't just that one embassy. Now, in this case, the embassy was like, yo, we need help. And this president was like, you got it. He's not going to wait for videos. He's not going to be sleeping because he was up, like I told you, all evening talking with Russia and everything before lunchtime New York. He had done all of that. So the difference is in the response. But this wasn't a Benghazi. This was setting fires to spread a lot of people thin. One, the United States, to annihilate President Trump's policy. But two, to, anni- to, to spread Turkey thin. Because if they can put pressure on their own ally, on their own front army, Qatar and Turkey, then they can control them better. That's what you do. Even though they're working for you, the only way to, you know, put them into the pen where you want, the only way they go to the direction you want is by creating the perfect circumstances. Kind of like, how did they bring communism and socialism to the United States? Collapse the infrastructure. So while Turkey is busy, Somalia is like, yo, we need help. We just got blown up. They're like, here's some troops. Here's some aid. Doesn't Turkey have a bad economy now? How'd they do that? Hmm. Libya's like, oh my gosh, you know, we need you to help. And it's not Libya, it's Tripoli. Let's separate. Tripoli, Libya, and then real Libya. The real Libyans are coming at us. Oh, and there's Turkey. Greece is like, yo, you can't come here. Planes, ships, you know, so busy for them Thursday and Friday. And so busy for them Saturday and Sunday. And so busy for them on Monday. It's like everywhere. And they're just like, wait a minute, we can't get the oil from Oman because there was a bombing there. Oh, no, the Houthis. Oh, no. And they don't know where to start and where to finish. They're everywhere. And they're getting pressure from the people that want liberation. Mm. Because they will also cause stress to their own people in order to control them better. I mean, that's how you control people, right? That's how you move forward. That's how you get them. Now, I'm going to take you back like I promised to a long, long time ago. Um, So before we get to the bank that I want to talk about, uh, which is also important, I want to take... um, the news 50-second clip of how DynCorp International in 2010 became a private company. Oh, yet they still have all of our super, super, duper secret, I hope Space Force is looking at that, contracts. Take a listen. Duffy for Smart Trend News. DynCorp International is reportedly going private in a $1.5 billion transaction with private investment firm Cerberus Capital Management. According to the terms of the agreement, Cerberus will pay $17.55 per share in cash, which represents a 49% premium over the company's closing value last Friday. The deal is still subject to customary conditions, including approval of the merger by the holders of the majority of the company's outstanding shares as well as various regulatory approval. In addition, under terms of the agreement, DynCorp International may solicit alternative proposals from third parties for a 28-day period 
following the signing. I'm Christy Duffy. For more on this, visit our website, tradethetrend.com. You can also find more news updates on our YouTube channel, Trade the Trend. Hmm, interesting, right? Not alarming at all that private hands now control the biggest contracts that we have uh, for um, the most covert operations there is, right? No, no big deal. It's just like business as usual, right? Hmm. That's very interesting. Now, he, remember how I told you about Diane Feinstein and how she scolded the CIA and how she was like, bad, 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 right? I want to play clips from 2014 when this happened, you know, and Brennan was under scrutiny that the CIA was spying on Congress and the Senate and they were searching their computers because they were still good people, but it wasn't the CIA. See, the really good people made it look like it was the CIA and it wasn't the CIA. And then Brennan was like, well, I can't tell her there wasn't the CIA because we don't know who it was. Because remember, if you're monitoring us, we're monitoring you. This was just the gear up for 2016. Take a listen. Speech that, that, that Senator Feinstein gave. She said she came forward to talk about this reluctantly. This is something this this search the CIA made of the Senate Intelligence Committee's computers. She was told about this by the CIA back in January, and so she's been trying. She says to deal with this behind closed doors, and she only came out today to deliver this speech on the Senate floor because of inaccuracy she's seen in the press. The central question here is about separation of powers. Can the Senate Intelligence Committee do its job? Can it oversee agencies like the CIA? without fear of interference or fear of intimidation. Uh, the issue here is the Senate Intelligence Committee spent several years, starting back in 2009, looking into the practices of the CIA after 9-11, those enhanced interrogation techniques, also called torture. Also, the CIA's practices when it came to de detaining people at secret prisons around the world. And so there were millions of pages. She said 6.2 million pages were provided by the CIA to the Senate Intelligence Committee. But the CIA had questions at one point about an internal CIA memo that the Senate Intelligence Committee uh, was able to receive, and they wanted to know how the committee got that memo, and so they searched uh, this, this committee's uh, uh, internal network. This review was called the Panetta Review, and that review, that internal CIA review, raised a lot of questions about the CIA's own tactics. So now this is all being investigated, but part of this investigation is, is the CIA, Count General Counsel, saying that maybe these members of the Senate Intelligence Committee did something wrong. Maybe they got that internal review by some sort of illegal means. So let's listen to what uh, Senator Feinstein said in response to that. Our staff involved in this matter have the appropriate clearances, handled this sensitive material according to established procedures and practice to protect classified information, and were provided access to the Panetta review by the CIA itself. As a result, there is no legitimate reason to allege to the Justice Department that Senate staff may have committed a crime. Okay, so I want you to listen to this, because this is where it gets super fun. So she's complaining that the CIA was investigating the Senate Intelligence Community at the time for having an internal CIA memo that they don't know how they got Feinstein is grandstanding here because she knew about it, and she's like, oh, my gosh, who got this? It doesn't matter. We have the clearances. Well, remember how I told you that you may have a clearance to be able to see something. You may have a clearance to be able to protect something, but it doesn't mean you have the clearance to actually have it. So what they're saying is somebody got an internal memo for, for, about us. <laughs> 
this really helped, you know, 2016, remember? What did they start doing, remember? Okay. So, this really started to figure out where the chatter was going because 2016 was coming up, right? 2016 was coming up. How would they continue? So, this internal memo is one of the keys that we need to be revealed. This is my next FOIA request, too. Now, let's see if that comes out, which it won't, because I remember that I had applied to make this public information back in 2016. Obviously, we knew who was running the government then. So I can try again now. So I wanted to remind you guys that they were upset that someone in the Senate Intelligence Committee had access to something they weren't allowed to see, but they had the clearance to see if they asked for, to see it. Only if they knew they, they knew it existed, they could ask to see it. I'm trying to make this as least confusing as possible. This is where they realized that they needed to start on insurances. I view the acting consul general's referral as a potential effort to intimidate this staff, and I am not taking it lightly. So there you see, she's not taking lightly the CIA's general counsel accusing her and her intelligence committee, the Senate Intelligence Committee, of acting uh, illegally when they received uh, this, this internal papers from the CIA itself. So who sent it to them? Why was it put there? Oh, did it light some fires? What? Who accidentally sent that over? And the CIA doesn't know who sent it over, but they know that it was sent over. So they wanted to know who was the target. And what if you sent it? It's like this. It's like, um, let's pretend that I'm the good guy and I want to get the bad guys to hate each other, right? So what do you do? You send something to someone to make it, it's kind of like, you know, the old mob tales where they would set up Jimmy Fingers, that, you know, that he killed someone that Joe Two Tooth, you know, really liked. And then it's like you set him up and he's like, no, I didn't kill him, but you got him. You have his ring on your finger. Yeah, this was a gift from someone. Who was that someone? I don't know. I just got it in the mail. So you killed him. And then they start fighting this is exactly what happened because once you see them start fighting and they start parsing out who the real players are and who's coming in you see what i'm saying Again, I said the issue here is separation of powers. Senator Feinstein believes that the CIA, by searching the Senate Intelligence Committee's computers, violated numerous federal laws, including an executive order saying that you can't have domestic surveillance here. Also laws like uh, the, the, the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution against illegal search and seizure. So we need, so that only applies to them. But it doesn't apply to us because Diane Feinstein, if you remember, was the one that pushed and approved that the NSA can search through backdoor queries. Right? Without warrants. So warrantless searches, as long as, you know, your conversation and my conversation are made available to all agencies, then they can spy on you. Are you getting this now? Do you see how they were spying on the Trump campaign and how they were doing it to everyone in their orbit on the side parallel network? So this is a big issue that's now coming to the floor, something she said she wanted to, to, to clear the record, uh, set the record straight on this. But it's certainly, certainly not going to be the end of this. So that, at the beginning of the report, they told you happened in January, but she came out in March talking about it. Here's some more of the CIA hacking accusations that divided senators. And the public battle between the Senate Intelligence Committee and the CIA is growing this morning over a confidential report on the spy agency. The committee's top Republican says a special investigator may now have to get involved. Nancy Cordes went directly to the head of the CIA in search of some answers. She's on Capitol Hill. Good morning, Nancy. 
Nora, good morning to you and Charlie as well. Well, this highly unusual case is now dividing not just the Senate and the CIA, but senators themselves. That's because many Republicans never wanted to investigate the CIA in the first place. They didn't have a problem with its enhanced interrogation tactics, and they now feel that Democrats might be making too many uncomfortable details public. CIA Director John Brennan was on the Hill Wednesday, but ignored our questions about his agency's dispute with Congress. Mr. Brennan, did your agent spy on Senate intelligence staffers? Can you tell us anything about the situation? Brennan denies claims made by Senate Intelligence Chair, Democrat Dianne Feinstein. I just wanted to say in that video clip, Brennan was sporting a cane with his left hand because he was wearing a booty. She says Brennan informed her earlier this year that CIA agents searched her committee's computer system while the committee was investigating the CIA's Bush-era interrogation program. The CIA's search may well have violated the separation of powers principles embodied in the United States Constitution. Outrage spread Wednesday with Republican Darrell Issa, who chairs the House Oversight Committee, calling the CIA's actions, if true, effectively treason. But not all Republicans shared his view. After meeting with Director Brennan, Senator Saxby Chambliss, the top Republican on the Intelligence Committee, argued the facts are still murky. Both parties have made allegations against one another and even speculated as to each other's actions. But there are still a lot of unanswered questions that must be addressed. The committee's investigation of the CIA, initiated by Democrats, took four years, cost $40 million, and yielded a 6,300-page report, which is still secret. Hey, I just wanted to say, do you think that that memo had anything to do with General Flynn, who retired just a month or so after this became public. Before we listen to Hussein talk about it, I just want you to think about that for a second. I am absolutely committed to declassifying that report. In his first public comments about the controversy, President Obama declined to take sides. That's not something that uh, is appropriate role for me in the White House to uh, wade into at this point. It wasn't appropriate, even though Nancy Pelosi was to his right, and he was the one that um, had those chit-chats with Brennan, and he was the one that would sign off bills dropping money to GSG in Luxembourg, that company that Brennan, you know, created right before he was appointed CIA director in 2013. But I digress, right? You see how it's all coming out? It's all going to come out. What if that memo kind of made its way to the surface? In 2020, it would be very interesting to see, isn't it? That would be pretty interesting. Now, I'm going to take you back in time, like I promised in these last 10 minutes, to talk to you about uh, some really incredible people I had the opportunity to meet uh, through whatever work I was doing. Uh, one of those was I worked for a very big conglomerate um certain projects, let's say. Uh, one of them was named Dresner Bank. Dresner Kleinwood Wasserstein. Um, it was separate. It was a great, mm, great place. Um, it was one of my um, last assignments I had when I actually was pregnant with my youngest. Uh, it was my last project, um, internship, whatever you want to call it. I want you to listen to a quick, short clip of uh, someone I had met. I have um, 
seen in action. Take a listen. Well, big finance is big business, and what else is the banking business about besides making money? Sure, these guys are meant to be looking after your money, but how much do they actually care? That's a question we can put to someone who sat at the top before, a former chairman of the executive board of Germany's Dresdner Bank, Herbert Walter. My first question to you is, was it one of your top priorities in that position being fair? Absolutely. Fairness to clients, to employees is a very important uh, issue and uh, transparency and sustainability, uh, of course, as well. But is it a balance, a balance that you have to strike between making money, it's a business, the banking business, and looking after people's money? Yes, of course. You try to balance short-term issues and the longer-term issues in your planning. You have a more short-term oriented view in your yearly, in your annual budgeting. And at the same time, you have a long-term plan, a three- or a five-year plan, where you have more soft goals baked into that, into that plan. Is there also a plan when everything goes wrong? Of course, for certain casualties, there is a plan and there is a necessity to have a plan, but banking is all about surprises. You normally have difficulty to really guess what tomorrow actually brings. But when it comes as far as having to be bailed out, does, does that mean everything went wrong? There was no plan B? Good. When you look at what happened during the financial crisis, mm. then I think uh, what was not expected is that we got a liquidity problem on the one hand, and what also the financial community did not expect is that capital ratios are basically or were basically not sufficient. Okay, so this guy was one of the executive chairman of the board of Dresdner Bank. Now, Dresdner Bank was one of, you know, the first banks that came up, just so you know. And it was actually started by Hitler himself. The German Reich actually um, owned uh, 22% of Dresdner Bank. Now, this bank uh, was the one that uh, helped uh, introduce the Deutschmark and how it was going to happen after World War II. Then, um, in 2002, uh, Dresden Bank became uh, part of Allianz Global, and in 2006... Uh, you know, Dresdner Kleinwart dropped Wasserstein from their name, so it became DK, and they were restructured. And Allianz uh, wanted to drop them, listen, that portion, the Dresdner Bank, and apparently Lloyd's, uh, which was the first insurance company, by the crown, blah, blah, blah. But here's where it gets really fun. So that way you can understand where the pockets of knowledge arise from. The Dresdner Bank was the bank of choice for Heinrich Heimler, right? They were also, just so you know, the um, first bank to be licensed in Russia. And guess who was in, in charge of foreign relations in regards to money at the time? You guessed it. Vladimir Putin. So here is where we go. Okay, and I just wanted to tell you that Dresner, Kleinward, Wasserstein actually was split and annihilated into everywhere. Singapore got a portion, I'm just going to say. 
uh, Lloyd's got a portion, but Deutsche Bank took a big portion too. So actually, Dresner Bank, right, was a former Stasi agent and Putin's former KGB contact. The guy that was appointed at the bank, Matthias Varnik, right? Just so you know. So here's where we get Gazprom in the mix, which was the state oil company, right, you know, working with Rosneft. Oh, gosh, what? What? Yes, it all goes back to that. So, you know, Dresner Bank has a subsidiary in Russia that got its licensing to work in Russia, specifically in St. Petersburg. Right, where was that terrorist attack going to happen? That's right, St. Petersburg, right? Just saying. That Putin helped license to come in. So the Germans came in. But Putin also took it down, yes, when he realized that it wasn't so much in helping on paying off the debt of the new nations that were spinning off after the USSR fell. But remember, he was in charge of all foreign money transaction that Russia had when he was in the KGB. What? And you're going to be like, this is just way too spidery. This is a big web of implication. The thing is, again, the story is elaborate, The characters remain the same. The companies remain the same. And that was basically it. Here we have, oh, and you want to hear this? Dresner Bank was actually the one that helped get money to Auschwitz. Guess via who? Bush's bank in Texas. You know, the one that was confiscated by Roosevelt that was funding Nazis? Yeah, so Dresner Bank was getting money from Bush, and they were giving that to what they needed to do. They were the ones confiscating Jewish property and wealth. Full circle. Do you see how the past moves? Now, here is a report from 2015. Take a listen. They're not talking. It says Jewish Congress opposed the German bank merger. There we go. It's not what's troubling us. The fact of the merger is very simple. Insurance companies, including Allianz, including Munich Re and others, have enormous stake in the German banking industry. And German insurance is trying to get a free ride. It's trying to avoid paying its legitimate debts for Holocaust-era insurance claims. And what we are saying is... If you don't pay your debts in the insurance field, then we will do whatever we can to block this merger. So if you actually look at Wikipedia, sorry, that was super loud, and you see Dresner Bank, you're going to see that they were acquired by Lloyd's and Allianz, blah, blah, blah. But the World Jewish Congress opposed the merger of Deutsche Bank and Dresner. And you're like, but how come Wikipedia and all these history things don't mention that there was a merger? I told you that Deutsche Bank took Dresner because I know it for a fact. Because when it happened, I was there. So these are the things that make you go, hmm. The fact that our history and our facts are being skewed or done so on purpose because they do not want the people to know what is really going on. They do not want you to understand what is really going on. And this is what they do best. Obfuscate truth, manufacture their own facts. Because here is where they speak of it themselves. And this AP archive has a lot of noise, as you can Uh, hear. If they want to merge in Germany... 
we have no leverage but these are two global banks and they want to operate in New York State they want to operate in the center of the financial world and there the state banking commission here in New York has a lot to say the Federal Reserve Bank has a lot to say there are regulatory agencies specifically here in New York and in the United States that first must approve this merger and simply put if they don't merge in the United States they haven't merged uh, well like I told you earlier you just need to look at the addresses where Cerberus is and you'll see that Deutsche Bank and Dresdner Bank are housed under the same roof this was all rubbish this was all grandstanding this is what they do and in 2020 this is all you're going to be seeing more light we're flipping the switch, the roaches are running, and everything is coming to the surface. And I think that specific memo that um, Feinstein sat on kind of sounds like how she sent on that Kavanaugh letter, right? But exposed in March and then the following month, General Flynn resigned. Should shed a lot of light. On that note, I wish you guys a fabulous 2020, and I hope this show was the first of many eye-opening things you will be seeing. God bless from all of us here at Red State. See you tomorrow.